Good morning and welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us in Green Bay and Stevens Point this morning. As you can tell, I'm in a little different place coming to you from our Appleton campus, a great facility right here in downtown, the heart of downtown Appleton. Uh, if you ever get a chance and you're in this area on a Sunday morning, please come and be a part of the service here. Uh, you'll love it. Wonderful people, great energy. Uh, anyway, let's all recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Again, good to have you with us today. Trust that your uh, service is going well back in uh, Green Bay and as well as over in uh, Stevens Point. Um, if you're curious about this uh, shirt I have on, it says it's got our... Uh, saying here at Celebration Church to be real, belong, and to become. And uh, what we're doing is uh, we've created these t-shirts and we're selling them at all the campuses. Uh, the intention, and on the back it says Celebration Church. I'm not showing you on the back. But uh, uh, it's, a, it's a cool little shirt. So a little bit more casual than normal today. But uh, the reason for it is to basically create, we're hoping lots of people in the church will buy these things and wear them around because it becomes like just free advertising, uh, billboard advertising, little walking billboards. And I shouldn't say actually it's free. The shirts are $5. Now it's actually not free to the church because these are not $2 shirts that we're selling for five. It's not $4 shirts that we're selling for five. Uh, the truth is every shirt that we sell at five, we're selling at a loss. It actually costs us more than the $5. They're nice shirts. The reason we're doing that is because we want to create this environment, encourage people to get these things and wear them around the cities uh, that you live in so that people can, get, you see over and over again, you know, these cool shirts and Celebration Church, kind of a, so we are in a, essence, I guess, paying for, <laughs> for the advertising. We're just not paying you to walk around in them. But uh, so anyway, uh, please stop by at, at the different campuses and uh, make sure that you pick up uh, the shirt. They'll have displays and stuff and, and wear them around. Again, free advertising, at least, <laughs> as long as you don't charge us to wear them. Uh, I also want to remind you about our uh, special uh, Sunday service that we're having on uh, September 20th. We're calling this kind of our invitation uh, service, where we're going to invite people to uh, come to the service. I'm going to be giving a very special salvation message, explaining what it really means to know Jesus as your personal Savior. So if you have family and friends that you've been wanting to, to come to church, you're just not sure, you know, when's the best time, when I'm going to be here, what in the world I'll be talking about. September 20th, we'll keep reminding you of it, uh, a great time to invite people and let them just hear the good news about Jesus. And that's what we're going to be doing. So keep that in mind. We are in our series uh, called Faith 101, where we're as answering some of the basic questions about faith. Uh, the last few weeks, we've been dealing with the question, 
what is love? And we're working our way through it because it's a little complex. It's not as easy of an answer as you would think. And it's certainly not just a warm and fuzzy feeling as we look in the scriptures. Our text has been 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, what we call the love chapter. So many people read these at their weddings and stuff. But uh, let's read them. It says, uh, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And we're going one word at a time. It's easy just to read past these very quickly. We're going through one word at a time to see what it really means to love somebody. And I got to tell you, I've, it's been a little painful <laughs> as I'm going through this, in all honesty, because I'm looking at this and I go, wow, I need some work. And at the end of this, we're going to talk about how, what we need to do to get in a place where we can do better. But first, we just want to focus on uh, where are we at? Where are we at against the standard? Remember, the purpose of the Bible is to give us a standard. If we don't have a standard, we don't know where things belong. Uh, we have no idea. You know, that's why, uh, for example, in the state of Wisconsin, there's a, a group, you know, that weights and measures, and they go around and making sure that a gallon of gas is actually a gallon. Why? They have a standard. The station just can't make it up, what they think a gallon should be. There's a standard to measure it against. Uh, make sure that a pound is actually a pound, a yard is actually a yard, or people be ripping people off, which people would do. So we have these standards that people have to measure against. Without the standard, it would be a free-for-all. Everybody could do anything they wanted to do, and, and nobody uh, could uh, be the wiser, or there'd be arguments about it constantly. So that's kind of what the Bible is for us. It creates the standard against the standard that we measure ourselves. We can say, oh, I'm a loving person. I'm a great person. I'm just filled with love until you read this and really look at it and you go, Ugh, maybe, maybe I'm, not, I'm not as loving as I think and need some work. Certainly that's what I've been experiencing as I've been going through this. So anyway, last week we left it off uh, where it says, uh, uh, it is, love is not easily angered. Now let's take a look at the definition of the word angered. It means a feeling of displeasure resulting from injury, mistreatment, or opposition, and usually showing itself in a desire to fight back at the supposed cause of this feeling. I'm sure everybody <laughs> relates to what it means to be angry enough that you want to fight back. Now you say, oh, pastor, you know, I, I need so much help in this area because I get mad about stuff. Well, first of all, you have to understand, it's okay to get mad. The Bible doesn't say you can't get angry. Uh, uh, in fact, Paul wrote, he says, go ahead and be angry, get mad, just don't sin when you get angry. Of course... <laughs> Of course, that's the catch, right? People get mad, and we get real nasty, and we lash out at people, and we want to scream at them and curse at them or whatever. Uh, but that's not love. Love doesn't do that. We're not supposed to uh, get nasty when we get angry. But for, you know, say that you're not supposed to get angry is absurd. Of course you get angry. God gets angry, believe it or not, the Bible reports. Jesus himself oftentimes got very angry. Uh, it's interesting to read, uh, you know, times where Jesus was frustrated with his disciples and 
He would just say, man, how long am I going to be stuck with you guys? What was he doing? He was being angry, okay? It's a funny question. How long will I be stuck with you? Being God, I'm pretty sure he knew how long he'd be stuck with it. But it's just, it's just a frustration. One time Jesus comes and he's really hungry and he goes to this fig tree and he, there's no figs on it. It really takes him off. And he curses the tree. Yeah, stupid tree. I hope you never feed anybody. And walks away. The next day the disciples come by, that same tree is just withered and destroyed, which is what happens when God puts a curse on something. Uh, but they were really amazed. The funny thing about it, I'm thinking, wow, he's really that mad? I just think, Go to another tree. <laughs> but for some reason, it ticked him off. It's okay to be ticked off. If God gets angry, then actual anger, now just be careful here. <laughs> anger and frustration is in somewhat, because we're made in the image of God, a reflection of, of, of God's energy. I mean, he does in fact have things that, that tick him off. What he doesn't do is he doesn't sin. Uh, and he doesn't get destructive without cause or, or any of these other kind of things. Uh, so, now, the Bible says that love is not easily angered. Of course, we all get angry at stuff. Uh, I've been known to make people angry <laughs> at me. Even some of the people who work for me <laughs> at times get angry at me. It's been rumored that my wife at times would get angry at me. Well, of course, because I'm me. Uh, at times I'll get angry at her. I mean, it is what it is. The thing is not to... Sin, not to get mean and nasty and destructive. That's the problem with it. Okay, so it's all right to have your emotions, but don't lose it. Now, we live in a culture that actually encourages people to lose it. You know, a whole cycle babble culture that says, you know, one of the worst things you can do is hold back your anger. You need to just say what's inside and you have all these repressed feelings. Well, it's a bunch of nonsense. Let the world would be a better place if people had more repressed repression on their feelings. You don't need to say everything that comes in your head and just blather off and get mad at people. It's destructive. In fact, uh, Proverbs 29 verse 11 uh, says this, fools give full vent to, to their rage. If you're giving full vent to your rage, just blah, 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 all of it up, you're being a fool, the Bible says. All right, now you can get angry, but you don't need to vent everything about it because when you do that, you fall into the category clearly of sinning, saying mean things, cursing, yelling, and throwing things. If you do that, stop. All right, you're not supposed to be doing that stuff at all, not at that level. You can get angry, but not at that level. Now, specifically in our verse here, it says that love is not easily angered. Okay, you don't have to walk on eggshells around love. And afraid that, oh, you know, I mean, we've all been there, right? <laughs> Some people, you, you got to be real careful. And I mean, it's a little, it's obvious. There's times when even in your own home, you want to be careful around your spouse or somebody because you can tell they're kind of ticked off. I mean, that, that's fine and a little bit normal. But generally speaking, love is not supposed to be on a, anger is not supposed to be on a hair trigger. You shouldn't be able to just boom, you know, get somebody ticked off right away uh, because you approach something in the wrong. Because love is not easily angered. And if you're given to that sort of thing, the problem is you're, you're not walking in love. Now, oftentimes people, the reason they have these hair trigger responses is because of emotional owies. Owie, owie, owie. We all have buttons, right? We all have buttons. People in Stevens Point, Green Bay, right? You all know 
We have buttons. Here in Appleton, people here have buttons. We all have these things that trigger us. And uh, you need to be careful. And if there's one thing couples are famous for, it doesn't take long to learn <laughs> the other people's trigger points. And when we get mad, we like to push those buttons and watch them go off, you know, which we shouldn't be doing that, okay? Uh, now, people say, you know, they justify the fact that they get angry because they can't help it because these, they have these always, and they think the answer to it is to get some kind of deep healing for their deep emotional distress because somebody was mean to them, you know, uh, maybe they were abused, you know, some of it's serious, you know, the people are still mad because they're cat got run over by a truck when they were 12. You know, not quite so serious, but to them it's still a big deal. People have their issues uh, and we often think, well, you know, I, we justify and we think the answer is I've got to heal somehow first. Listen to me on this. This is really important. Everybody, 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 pay attention. We often think that the answer to these hair trigger responses in our lives are, well, we just need to heal and go through special classes or have some kind of a miracle or, uh, you know, go to a psychiatrist or whatever the deal is. Listen to me. You can certainly go that route, and if you need to go that route, I will applaud you that you're fact working on it. But it's interesting that the Bible's answer for this is, is love. If you'll truly walk in love with someone, you will find that the hair trigger doesn't become such a hair trigger anymore. You might still have the owies, uh, some of these things, you know, it's questionable if, if uh, some of these things ever really get resolved in some people. I don't know. But uh, the answer uh, sometimes, again, whatever answer you need to go to that you think will help, I'm all for it. But uh, I think something we ought to really try and focus on, if you're struggling with that, is to, you know, I need to learn what love is. I need to walk in love. Because if I'm really loving people, you will find that love is not easily angered. And by the way, I want you to keep in mind, as we go through this, it's a little painful to see what the standard is. The answer isn't just to try harder, although there needs to be some effort. The answer is to actually walk in love. See, the reason we are not patient, not kind, not envious, boastful, proud, we dishonor, become selfish, and get easily angered is not, I need to work harder on those things. The reason those things are in play so much in some of our lives is we're just not walking in love. Because the natural environment of love is those things are not empowered in us. If those things are empowered and alive in your life, as at times it is in mine, uh, the answer isn't just to beat yourself up, although there certainly needs to be, you know, some repentance <laughs> where you, you ask God to forgive you and, 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 and a little bit more effort to work in those things. The, the real answer is I need more love. Again, at the end, we're going to talk about how to get all this. I just, we need to set up the problem before we get to the solution. But I'm giving you a little bit of a sneak preview into the solution. Walk in love. If you're truly walking in love, the hair triggers, you know, the, the, the little pin that's going to, is almost falling out of the grenade, you know, gets a little bit more welded in or, or shut in so it doesn't fall out so easily. Uh, the answer is, in fact, love, sometimes more than necessarily having this big, fixing of wounds that have been in your past. I, I don't know. I, a lot of people I've seen throughout their lives seem to never heal from certain wounds, but they certainly uh, become more successful and victorious in life when they learn to walk in love because love by nature fixes these things. All right? So it's, it's not easily angered. Um, now, 
One of the reasons why we get angry is, quite frankly, it feels really good. <laughs> I mean, it just feels good to yell at somebody. And again, it's okay, I think, even to yell. The problem is sin. When you get mean and nasty, when you get angry, you get angry. You know, you got to curse a tree, you, you, you know, curse it, not cursing words, but you know, like Jesus said, speak frustration uh, to the tree. Uh, th that's fine, okay? But uh, uh, the reason that we want to have this release is it just really feels good. And, but the problem here is, uh, think about this a little bit. Doing what makes you feel good generally in life, in the short term, makes you end up not feeling so good in the long term, okay? Doing things that make you feel not so good in the short term usually makes you wind up feeling a lot better in the long term. And that really goes against our culture, certainly here in America, because everything's immediate gratification, you know, sticks... Stick a hot dog in a microwave and it's 15 seconds seems like an eternity, you know. Uh, man, back in the old days, we did everything had to boil water. How long did that take, you know? Now we can't even handle waiting for boiling water. We need microwaves to shake things around to get, to get the answer faster. You pull up to McDonald's, the fries aren't here right away. You get really frustrated. You know, we're just always in such a hurry. Just um, We live in a culture where everything about it is immediate gratification. Uh, one of... One of the most powerful tools to help people with immediate gratification, quite frankly, credit cards. Credit cards. Just put it on the card. If you put it on the card, you'll feel good right away because you can get it right now. I know you don't really have the money, but look, we have special in-house financing and what will happen is then you can get what you want right now and worry about it over a long period of time. And it's at times I get sometimes uh, you got to deal in those terms. But here's what happens. When you give in to what makes you feel good right away, I got to have this right away. I, here, here's my card. You know you don't have the money, okay? And now you're going to be miserable later. Why? Because now you can't pay it off. And now the interest builds and people are calling you and all of a sudden, all because you wanted the quick emotional buzz off of whatever it is that you wanted to get in the short term. But in the long term, everybody understand what I'm talking about, right? In the long term, it winds up making you much unhappier. If you actually chose to do the thing that immediately will make you less happy, in the long term, you actually wind up being happier, okay? You know what will make me really happy right now? is to eat a whole strawberry cheesecake. <laughs> okay? Immediately, wow, that felt great. Later, I will be very miserable, particularly when I'm letting out all my pants <laughs> because I'm putting on so many pounds, right? Uh, I mean, it is what it is. Now, if I look at the cheesecake and go, no, nah, I'll pass. In the short term, that doesn't make me happy. Immediately, my body's yelling at me like, hey, hey, that was cheesecake. What are you doing? But later, I'm feeling a whole lot better because I didn't do what made me feel good in the short term. <laughs> I mean, this won't work in every scenario, but think about this. If you develop an attitude 
of intentionally choosing what doesn't make you happy in the short term, your life will be much happier in the long term. If you're about to do something, ah, should I do this? Should I buy this? Should I get that? Should I eat this? Whatever. If you actually think, gee, which one will make me more unhappy? And you intentionally choose what makes you more unhappy, you'll find out you'll actually wind up being happier in the long term. Now that really messes with people's heads because again, we live in a culture that just everything we want and touch. But to do the opposite will actually bring you more long-term happiness. I don't know, you guys ever watch uh, Seinfeld? <laughs> Are you a Seinfeld person? <laughs> you never watch Seinfeld? You watch Seinfeld, right? Okay, so uh, in Seinfeld, one of the characters is George Costanza. And uh, George is basically a loser at everything. Everything he does is a disaster because <laughs> he always just does whatever comes in his stupid head. Well, at some point in the series, you know, <laughs> probably because I needed to find more stories. There, there's some, some really stupid things in that series. But uh, George decided, he, he discovered that if he will do the opposite of what he normally would do, he succeeds more. So his whole thing, for the whole part of those of you who remember the show, you know, he just decided, I'm going to do the opposite. If George would normally do this, I'm going to do this. So George intentionally starts doing everything completely the opposite of every decision he's made in his life. All of a sudden, he becomes crazy successful. He's got this great job with the, you know, New York Yankees, and he's got money and all this kind of stuff. His life starts pulling together. It's very funny because at the same time, Elaine, all of a sudden her life gets terrible. Anyway, you had to be a Seinfeld person. But uh, it's kind of like that for us. You know, if we can think a little bit more like Costanza, and intentionally, seriously, do this, practice this for the next week. What would make me more happy right now? To watch TV or to read the Bible? I'm pretty sure the answer will be watch TV. What would make me more unhappy right now? To read my Bible. I'm just saying in the natural. There's your decision. Read your Bible. What would be more happy right now? To eat way more than I know that I should? <laughs> or not to eat way more. Let's see. Hmm. I would be more unhappy not to eat so much. You'll actually find that you'll be happier later. You see that thing where, you know, I, I got, well, I got extra bonus, you know, unexpected money. We got an extra $1,500 out of the middle of nowhere. What should I do with this money? What should, well, let's, let's go find Let's go on a mini vacation. Let's go, you know, I'll tell you what. That would make you very happy. What would make you really unhappy in the short term? To take all of that money and pay off the stupid credit cards. Right? I mean, that would be of the two which would make you more unhappy to pay it off. But if you do that, you will actually wind up being happier. It's called delayed gratification. I, I talked about the, you know, the test that they did with a room full of little kids where they said, look, if you, I, I've given you a cookie. You can eat the cookie, but if you wait five minutes, I'll give you two cookies. And of course, a whole bunch of kids, <laughs> as soon as the adult left, <laughs> they ate the cookie. But then there were those who waited very patiently, whatever the time period it was, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. Uh, and then at the end, they got two cookies and they were much happier. But they followed, the, this was years ago, they, decades ago. They went back later in life when these kids had become adults, 20, 30 years later, and interviewed them then. All the kids who waited to get the second cookie, were much more successful in life 
than all the kids who just took the cookie right away. It's an amazing analogy. There's something powerful about delayed gratification. Okay, now bringing it back to the anger thing. The reason we get angry and want to go off on somebody, quite frankly, makes us feel better. But in the end, you wind up feeling a lot worse anyway. Hear me out. It's okay to get angry. Just don't give full vent to your rage because the Bible calls that foolishness. And only fools do that. And we've all done that. I've done it more times than I can count, but then I always, <laughs> always regret it, wishing I hadn't done that. Uh, better to hold back, control yourself. Uh, you know, the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger, which means, you know, don't care it for a long time. Uh, if you're mad right now, you need to calm. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Uh, I actually take that scripture literally because if I'm at night and angry, I figure I got a good 20 hours <laughs> before I have to get over Because technically the sun didn't go down yet. Uh, anyway, uh, the point is above all this, as foundational is the anger, the emotion of anger is, how okay it is in our life and even how God has it. We read how things made God very angry in the Old Testament. Uh, and even Jesus at times became angry with the hypocrites around him and all these different things. And, you know, his goofy disciples that weren't getting a clue. And uh, that's okay. That's fine. That is a human nature. And in fact, biblically speaking, it's even a God kind of nature, the whole anger thing. Uh, but what you don't want to do is be on a hair trigger. And when you do get angry, not to lose it, give full vent, or to get nasty and mean and destructive and hurtful to people. You do that, it may make you feel good in the short term, but in the long term, it's very destructive and it becomes very hurtful. And uh, not only do you do harm to yourself, you do harm to so many people around you and stuff. Uh, now, if you do do it, you know, learn to say, I'm sorry. It's amazing how many people really struggle with the concept. Uh, I have at times, <laughs> more times than I want to admit, uh, told people I'm sorry. Uh, when I lose it, I mean, I, I'm human as the next person. Uh, even though my anger might be justified, I cross the line and get crazy and get mean and overreact. And, uh, but then you come back and you go to the people that you do that to and, and you apologize. I found it's actually better not to get that angry in the first place <laughs> than to have to go later to those same people and say, I'm really sorry. Now, I know some of you guys, you'd rather die and go to hell than ever say you're sorry. You shouldn't be that way, all right? If you can't learn to say, I'm sorry, uh, you're in a bad place. But uh, when you go there, again, all of it is about love. You say, Pastor, I struggle with this. The answer actually is love. Not so much, the anger isn't so much self-control. The anger isn't so much this, that, and the other. Although that can all play into it. The real fundamental answer is love. Because if you're truly walking in the love of God, you will find by nature, okay? You know, a dog is a dog by nature. He doesn't have to try to be a dog. A cat. I got a dumb cat. <laughs> waiting for it to go on to its eternal reward. <laughs> he's a nice kitty, but I keep reminding him he should die now because he's really old. But, uh, uh, you know, a cat doesn't have to think about being a cat. It just, it's a cat by nature. 
you know, whatever. There's certain very predictable things with dogs and cats, all kinds of things. What you have to understand is when you're walking in love by nature, by the very nature of the love itself, you will find you won't be on the hair trigger. You won't turn around and lash people out. Uh, you'll still find you'll get angry again. Even God gets angry. Everybody's okay to be angry. I'm talking about the hair trigger is removed. You, you don't just lash out and you certainly don't go psycho crazy. And you don't give full vent to your anger because even though that feels really good at times to just yell and scream and, you know, I mean, there's safe ways to do that when you're <laughs> watching the Packers <laughs> in a big game and a referee does something stupid. I give myself free range <laughs> to totally vent and yell and scream at the TV, you stupid girls, ah! And it feels quite lovely. That's fine. He can't hear me. Nobody can hear it. Scares the cat for sure. He's running like crazy. But, you know, it's okay to be human and, and all that kind of stuff. Or to get mad about some stupid politician. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in this country that makes you mad and, and you want to vent about that. That's fine. But when you're walking in love towards people, uh, number one, you'll find you won't have the hair trigger. Number two, even though you can be angry, uh, you won't get mean and nasty and destructive because love gives us that power to do the right thing, okay? And uh, next Sunday, we'll pick it up from there and keep looking at some of these things. Again, I promise you, we're gonna really look at the solution to a lot of these struggles that we all have. But it begins by seeing where the mistakes are, what the standard is and where we are to know that we need to rise up to God's standard and he'll help you do it. And we'll get to more of that later. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that you love us. And uh, we ask you that you would help us. Lord, it's, it's so easy to see where so many of us fall in this area. I fail in all of these areas so far. This whole series has been a bit painful for me, as you well know, because as I really take a look at the standard, I'm, I'm not there. And I know the answer isn't just to beat myself up, but the answer is to Learn to walk in love and to let the love of God fill me and change me so that by nature these things will start to dominate my life more. And help those of us, Lord, as we're hearing some of these things and we realize, you know, I don't do so well in this. Uh, help them not to feel condemned and, and like there's no hope, but to realize the hope is to learn to walk in your love because when we walk in your love, we will find these things kind of just take care of themselves because that's what love is. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Have a fabulous day.